Thank you for tuning in to Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson. Brought to you by Surefire Social. For more advice, tips, and strategy on small business marketing, visit surefiresocial.com forward slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to allow you to reflect on your business, reflect on sort of where you've been, reflect on changes and things that you want to look at in the future. What we try to do is, on a regular basis, give you these 10 to 20-minute segments that you can play and certainly pass on to others within your organization. Today's topic that I want to get into is titled The Language of Remodeling. You know, having been in this business for almost 40 years right now, there's just so many important ways, I think, to think about the remodeling business. You know, there's so many different languages and dialects of different kinds of remodeling companies. And I think many people are looking for that standardization. They're looking for that formula exists, but the reality is there's more variables, I think, in this business than constants. So in the course of the next few minutes, I'm going to try to help you think about this subject, but help you, you know, make a little bit more sense of it. You know, I read a quote one time that was, business is a game. It's the greatest game in the world. You know, as I've reflected on that, you know, I think there's so many benefits to try to compare and use the metaphor of other games that you're quite familiar with. You know, is a remodeling business more like a football game? Is the remodeling business more like a tennis match? Well, the reality is it's many of the different things and many of the different games, I think, that's out there. And I think the more that you try to isolate, boil down, and understand the game, the more successful you're going to be. Some remodeling businesses, especially the special specialty replacement type remodeling business, really, for the most part, are more sales and marketing businesses that happen to have a product, i.e. a window, a gutter, or a roof, or siding. It doesn't really matter so much about that particular product. It matters more about just generating leads and being very proficient at sales. You know, whereas... Other types of full-service remodeling business are really looking at, I think, the relationship and creating clients for life over a period of time. Again, very, very different kind of businesses, different kind of games. One might be more of a sprint. One might be more of a marathon. In both cases, you want to win. In both cases, you want to be successful. But they're really different kind of businesses. Another element, I think, for a lot of remodeling businesses, it's really much more today, more than ever, a team sport and not necessarily an individual sport. And as a team sport, you got to, that left hand and the right hand needs to be in sync. You know, the offense might be considered, for example, the sales and marketing and defense production. You know, by those things working in concert together, that's not only where you win the game, but that's where you're profitable. There's also, I think, in terms of the game, there's some very much short-term type of elements in certain types of businesses and long-term. And I think the more that you understand the cadence of your business and the implications of not only developing clients, but also of developing, I think, the, the talent within your business 
and over a period of time, uh, not just today. For example, I think a lot of people feel in the remodeling business, gosh, if I just go out and hire a salesperson, I'll be able to do a lot more business. Well, they don't necessarily look at the learning curve in the remodeling business of certain kinds of salespeople. You know, in some cases, if it's a very simple product, it can be a 30, 60-day learning curve. However, on more complex projects, I've seen situations where the real development can take as much as three years or more. So I think understanding, I think, how you go into the game and how long the game is. For example, a baseball season is 162 games of the year. So what you do in any particular game doesn't really matter as much as what you're doing in the long haul. So as I said, I think in any game, you got to understand the rules of the game if, in fact, you're going to be successful, but also if you're going to enjoy the game. As you think about this with football, you know, football has got a lot of elements to it, but if you didn't understand how many points a touchdown was or what it, what it would be if you were offsides uh, on, uh, from the defense or offensive lines, then you probably not only wouldn't uh, be able to play the game as well, you probably wouldn't be able to enjoy the game, I think, either as a spectator or as a sportsman. So I think the more that you understand some of the rules of the game, some of the different dialects, some of the different language. Now, what I find with a lot of remodeling companies is this dialect and language gets very confusing. What one company is calling gross profit, someone else is calling something different. How they put different levels of elements into these. So what I'd like to do is break it down into terms of a few categories and parts. More than anything, as I said, not to tell you what the language should be, but give you more food for thought, and so you can start to develop your own dialect, your own language within your remodeling business. Because many of these dialects are different. Of the top 10 remodeling companies out there, there's oftentimes nine different dialects. And just like languages that have slightly different ways to use words or, or use the grammar within that language, I think if you really want to take your game to the next level and master it, you need to understand it better. So the first category I want to touch on is marketing. You know, within marketing, there's a lot of different elements that you need to think about. Obviously, marketing is sort of like the fuel that, that, gives, that allows the machine to run and be successful. So within marketing, some people talk about inquiries. Now, inquiries, all they are is someone that's curious that's contacting the company. Another term that's oftentimes used is a lead. A lead is someone that I think has the potential to become something, and therefore it is something you want to document. It is something that you want to make an attempt to have some engagement with. Then you have another term, which is the appointment itself. Some people, when they're talking about leads, they don't even count leads unless they're looking at appointments. I would encourage, as you study the metrics and study the language of remodeling, that you're really looking at all three of those. You're looking at your touch points and the inquiries. You're looking at your actual leads. But then you're looking at the actual appointments that you go out and visit. Another key metric I think that you need to think about is your costs. What is your cost per lead? 
not cost per inquiry, not necessarily cost per appointment, because you do need to study, I think, those metrics, but what is your cost per lead? Now, by studying that, it allows you to look over time how it compares. So let's just say three years ago that your cost per lead was $195. Today, your cost per lead is $145. You know something is positive, whether it's because of the market, because of what you're doing in terms of client retention and, and past clients coming in, or what you're doing in terms of getting more personal referrals. But the bottom line, you can judge the efficiencies. Now, when you're judging marketing, it's important not to look at the cycles too, too tightly in the business. Depending on what the business is, the cycle at which you study these metrics becomes sort of important. For an average remodeling business, I would say studying the lead flow on a monthly basis is probably a pretty good cycle. Uh, you certainly don't want to push it out to quarterly, and if you're studying it on too tight of a cycle, I think sometimes uh, you get some false positives. <clears throat> you also want to study the lead sources. You know, knowing the lead sources and knowing what ultimately converts into sales is very important. I think today... Uh, internet leads, while I think sometimes in remodeling businesses we don't treat them with the same degree of quality and reverence that we might a personal referral or a past client, uh, internet leads continue to become more and more important. And I think it's not so much in terms of giving them more importance from a percentage or close rate, it's more a matter of treating with them with a degree of seriousness because that is, in fact, the way today's consumer is researching things. The second category I want to touch on that you have to, I think, get your head around in terms of the language of remodeling is sales. Now, again, within specialty businesses versus full-service businesses, we have a lot of different lingo and language that we talk about. Something full-service businesses don't even think about is something called NSLI. It's a fairly common phrase within specialty businesses. That's where they're looking at individual salespeople and looking at the net sales per lead issued. That's an efficiency element that's very, very important. <clears throat> it's not taken into account just the, just the uh, sale itself or the close rate. It's looking at more efficiency. I think it's also important when it comes to sales to focus on the right clients. You know, I actually attended a seminar about 25 years ago where the speaker talked about 18% of the homeowners out there will not allow you to make a profit. So while it's great to focus on sales, be careful that you're focused on the right sales for you. I actually studied this at that period of time and realized that that's actually quite accurate. And in an earlier podcast, I talk about how you go about choosing the right client and the right filters in your business. Sales metrics need to be looked at also on the right cycles. If I'm looking at sales, I think, again, monthly is a very good cycle to look at sales, except <clears throat> when I'm looking at larger scale projects, you might be looking at them more on a two or three month cycle. Certainly annual sales are very important. Some salespeople, some businesses do find variations within the year where all months are not created equal. 
You have to think about the quarters within the year. You have to budget and you have to forecast, not only based on your ability to produce, but also based on sales cycles as well. Close rate is a very important metric and rule of the game, I think, in sales that you have to keep an eye on. You know, again, close rate is something you need to track more on a quarterly or semi-annual basis rather than just a monthly basis. Again, depending on the type of sale and type of type of product that you're selling. The third element that you want to think about, I think, is production. Now, your production rules of the game have a lot to do with the process, the handoff, the experience. However, in terms of some of the metrics, one of the key elements, I think, to watch with production is the efficiency and the effectiveness of your ability to produce as you estimated. Looking at that variation of the actual cost versus the estimated cost over a period of time is one of the key indicators I look at at a business in terms of its health. You also want to focus on the gross profit. Gross profit obviously pays for all the overhead and all the, all the uh, uh, returns or net profit for you. But again, gross profit obviously is the difference between your job cost and your retail sale from the client. It's that chunk of money. But what you want to study, I think, pretty carefully is the gross profit percentage. Gross profit percentage, I think, gives you and a level of a, the efficiency within your business, I think, that's really, really important. And again, that varies uh, dramatically depending on how you structure your business. So be careful as you're comparing yourself to some of your friends in the business because some people look at gross profit dollars or gross profit percentages, including or not including project management costs, including or not including sales commissions. So depending on what they include within that bucket, it will dramatically change the percentage and therefore uh, uh, will, will you, you might have a false positive in terms of how you're doing. Another element that I want to touch on real briefly is your overhead, your overhead expenses. Now, there's a lot of different elements in terms of the language and the game of remodeling in terms of the organizational structure and how you think about the overhead. Overhead, though, should be something that is budgeted for. It's not just reacting to your expenses. If you if you do, in fact, create a proper budget when it comes to your overhead, you need to study, I think, some of the blends and percentages year over year. One of the ones I like to look at is your marketing blend. Now, your marketing blend is going to vary pretty dramatically based on the type of business that you have. Oftentimes, a specialty business is going to spend 10 to 20% of their gross, uh, gross dollars or gross sales on marketing. Whereas a full-service company might spend, you know, anywhere from 1% to 5% of, of their uh, uh, gross amount of dollars for marketing expenses. But most importantly, you need to spend, in terms of the overhead expenses, what you need to do to accomplish both your short and long-term goals. How you integrate the owner's compensation into this is important. Some businesses like to keep it relatively modest. Some businesses like to keep it uh, a little bit more aggressive. I encourage business owners, mainly whether you end up one extreme or the other, to mix that owner's comp with the net to really, I think, get a better pulse of how you're doing. And the last, of course, is profitability itself. 
Again, how you define the profitability is going to vary depending on the type of company. Some companies build in a lot of bonuses for their leadership team. Some companies have high or low owner's compensation, and they're really looking at taking out money on the net profit side. So depending on the type of organization that you have and also how you approach it, it's going to vary pretty dramatically. Now, I share some of these insights not to give you a formula, not to give you an answer. I'm really giving you more the question. And the question is, do you really understand the language of remodeling? Do you understand the language of this game? Because until you really fully appreciate, I think, the language, you're not going to get the right kind of benefits and get the right kind of joy that you want out of the business. I encourage everyone to sort of think about their business and how they track these metrics, almost like a car and a dashboard on a car. If you think about a dashboard on a car, there's probably three key indicators, and you know what they are, including the speedometer, that you need to make sure that you keep an eye on. Now, these indicators you're keeping an eye on, you're also looking at them on a different period of time. The speedometer, for example, you might glance down every minute or two. However, the fuel gauge, it might be every hour. So your indicators within your business are very similar to that. There's certain indicators that you want to track on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis. But you do have to focus on those three to five indicators in your business if you're going to be successful. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Obviously, you're committed to your business. You're committed to the language of remodeling. You're committed to the game of remodeling. And I think the more you understand it, the more you can play it better, but also the more fulfillment and joy you're going to get out of it. Take care, everyone. Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson was created to help business owners like you grow your business. Learn something new today? Let us know by tweeting at Surefire Social. For more podcasts, visit surefiresocial.com forward slash podcast.